CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer here on this Thanksgiving Eve. We want to once again just uh, uh, thank you so much for making us part of your afternoon. Looking forward to answering some questions with you, as we always are. And uh, so we set this time aside to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events and what we hear uh, in church from from pastors? Is it even in the Bible at all? And so we want to just encourage you to give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker here as well. We have with us Greg Blanc from Calvary Chapel, Rapid City, South Dakota. Hi and welcome. Hello, Pastor Mike, and uh, hello, Team Tima. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, what's going on in current events and... and uh, Jesus has got to be coming back. You know, when uh, I've heard you talk about it a couple of times on the program, about another, another Islamic scholar has, uh, has come out and said that there is no such thing as Palestine and that, uh, and that Temple Mount belongs to the Jews. You know what that does? That sets us up for a soon rebuilding of, uh, of the third temple and, and that COP27 stuff, the big greening movement, uh, the Pope, the Pope was there last week, week before, something like that. And guess what? He didn't mention the gospel, the good news about Jesus once, but he definitely pitched the good news of climate change. So I, I think he's certainly, certainly, uh, uh, the greenest Pope that we've, that we've ever, that we've ever known. And then, and then, Emmanuel Macron, the, the president of France, remember what he said recently? He said that he's calling for a, a, a single global order. Actually, the article, the title that I said, it says, uh, uh, French president, uh, Macron said that we need a single global order to avoid world war. And then you've said a couple of times over the last few days about, uh, uh, that New York Times article about the CBDC, you know, every time I hear CBD, I think, hey, it's another one, you know, another marijuana initiative. But CDCC stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. And what we know there is is that that has to be in place. Some form of a digital currency has to be in place uh, for the Antichrist mechanism to be able to control who can who can buy or sell? So, so Mike, let's just cry out Maranatha. What do you think? Amen. You know, um, we have much to be thankful for. If your name is written in the book of life and you know that because you've accepted Christ as your savior, I believe that, uh, you got a lot to be thankful for, that there is a way out of here. It's up. 
And uh, as the Bible says, as you see these things approaching, your redemption draws nigh. I believe it is so important that we realize the lateness of the hour, redeeming the time. The days are evil. We've been over all this so many times, but you know, you may be a new listener here to CSN going, what is this program about? Well, this is probably like no other program you've heard, because we take the issues of today, we look at the Bible, what does it say, how does it fit in, and uh, we won't be trying to sell you miracle wallets on the side. So I I really believe that, again, as we live in these days, we have so many things going on. And um, Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not just the ones we like. And those are sometimes a hard thing because, you know, sometimes we have to repent. Sometimes we have to um, change the way we think about things. And so it's not a it's not a bad thing, you know, and uh, I believe that Abraham Lincoln, of course, uh, a, a devout Christian, loved God, and even in his proclamation for uh, uh, the Thanksgiving observance, uh, here America is torn apart in a very, very brutal civil war. I believe we're very close to another one right now. And uh, Abraham Lincoln knew what the solution was. And, um, you know, as we look at what Scripture has to say about this world, you know, um, Greg, you know, uh, that, that de- declaration that Abraham Lincoln made, what a declaration. Yeah. Uh, I got it pulled up. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead and read it. Okay. It's about four minutes long. Is that okay? Oh, is it well, the, the, the one that I'm well, looking at? Uh, oh, okay. It's, it's about four minutes long, but you know, it, it's what he gave, you know, and, the proclamation for Thanksgiving that uh, uh, said the years, I'll just read the first part. How about that? That yeah. mentions Almighty God, the providence of Almighty God. How about that? Yeah. It says uh, it's October 3rd, 1863, and it says the year is drawing toward its close and has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthy skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget that the source from which they come, others have been added, which are so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. What would happen if our president said that today? Oh, you'd have the ACLU go into conniption fits and the Democrats would go into contortions and scream and, you know, all the other things they do. But um, no, you, when you look and realize that Abraham Lincoln realized the only solution for America to come together and to be what God called it to be was return to God's word and God's principles. And we have political parties today within the United States that are absolutely 100% diabolically opposed to everything that has to do with God. You say, Mike, how can you make such a statement? Well, I read the Bible and I can read the newspaper. Read Romans chapter 1 if you want to see it identifies this particular party. Check it out. It might cause your little toenails to curl up. Romans chapter 1. Check it out. It's for you. It's for why we are in the mess we are in, not only in our nation, but globally. You see, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. When the when the evil reign, tyranny is upon the people, and we're finding that now. We we have no control over over your money. Do you realize that you have no control over your money? Today, your dollar may be worth so much, but in six months from now, because of inflation, uh, it's lost its value. You don't control your money. They control your money. 
And when you look at all the crazy things going on in the world, all I can say is even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. So important to realize that we have a God in heaven who loves you, me, and has the very best for us if we'll simply surrender our will to him. 8888, ASCIA sends the number to call. We're going to go ahead and go to the phones. We have Jerry on the line, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, uh, pastors. Uh, thank you for uh, to every man an answer. I, you're such a blessing. Um, Pastor Mike, I want to address this to you, if I could, please. And I've heard you discuss it many times, but it's finally touched my own life. I was just in a discussion with another, a number of gentlemen that believe in the Calvinistic doctrine, and I was told because I believe as a Calvary Chapelite or, or an Armenian that I'm given free will to receive and believe. I was, I was told by them or, or, or tried to give an impression that I'm not saved because I know I, I serve a sovereign Lord that has saved me, but I receive and believe the gift of his salvation and his death on the cross and the resurrection and the burial that he has done everything he's done for me but I receive and believe. Is that a wrong concept, Pastor Mike? Absolutely not. And uh, Calvinism is not Christianity. Thus, it would would wear the name Christianity. It doesn't. It isn't. It's Calvinism, like Mormonism. All these isms, schisms are out there to take people away. This isn't what the Bible says. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God chose everybody, but not everybody chooses God. Just because God knows who ultimately will accept him as Savior. Thus, we come across the words in the Bible, to whom he foreknew, or those are predestined. That's all from God's perspective. But from our perspective, as Jesus said, we're to preach the gospel to every creature. And for somebody to come along and say something ridiculous that, well, only certain people get to go to heaven because that's only the ones that God picked and it's things like that. You just go, wow, that is so absolutely crazy. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, you know, I try when I talk, when I talk to the hyper-Calvinist, I, I really do. I, I try to be gracious with them, but more and more I'm, I'm confirmed in my heart that it's a dangerous, Mike. Don't you think it's a dangerous teaching? Um, what what they're saying when they when they say that they believe in predestination and that God only chooses some is that they also say that they believe in double predestination. That he chose he chose few few. God chose. He made this choice. He chose few to go to heaven, and he created the rest of the people in his image solely to be able to stoke the fires of hell. And and like I said, I, they're, they're I, sick I puppies, man. Great. They, they have a sick, yes. sick, sick theology, sick understanding and concept of God, for God so loved the world. I don't know why you can't read something as as first grade English. I I usually use third grade English, but first grade English. For God so loved the world, whosoever, they can't get that. It's just too simple. Uh, and uh, I believe the whole idea is based in pride. Uh, uh, look how good I am. Too bad about you. Uh, and it paints God as to be some some ogre. And I believe those 
heresies are so bad because it leads people not to preach the gospel. Because if you're going to get saved, you're going to figure it out, dude, because you're predestined. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. And they make this stuff up. They follow a guy named John Calvin, which I don't even believe John Calvin would believe the junk they're saying about him. The thing is, we're to follow Christ. We're not Calvinites or or Chuckites or anybody else. We're Christians. What did Jesus say? We looked at the Bible says, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, that just violates the Calvinistic idea and sends them into conniption fit. Well, the problem is, is that heresies today are everywhere. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. The bride says, come. You look in uh, Revelation uh, twenty-two seventeen. The bride, the spirit say, come. It doesn't say only the special ones get to come. This is why I believe Calvinism, at least what they're turning it into now, is, is as kooky and nutty as any cult that's out there. Because they are selectively saying who gets to go and who doesn't, where the Bible says whosoever will may come. I think that's such a good thing, Jerry, and I think that's what we need to be about. Jerry, I hope that helps. Uh, Yes, thank you very much. God bless you, pastors. Yeah, just go back to the Word, John 3.16. Again, whenever you find the Word, well, they say, well, it isn't that you chose me, I chose you. Well, he was talking to the disciples, not to everybody. And of course, when he looked at Matthew Levi and said, follow me at the receipt of customs, he dropped everything and followed Jesus. But when we have to understand, we look at everything, just because God knows the decisions that we will make in the course of a lifetime, God has that foreknowledge to be able to say, Jacob, I love Esau, I've hated. Well, that isn't because he hated Esau. It's because he knew the decisions he would make in his life, leaving God out of those decisions, and God can truly say that. Remember, God does not learn. He lives in all times present. Revelation we find uh, one chapter twenty one, uh, you you uh, twenty two. You, you find I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. He lives all presence at all time. Uh, God already sees us seated with Him in heavenly places, but that's from God's perspective, not ours. And so our great commission is preach the gospel to every creature. Jerry, I hope that helps. And stay in line, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll be blessed by. And God bless you, Jerry. I, I, we might have lost you there, but stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Jason, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. Hi. How may um, we help? <laughs> well, recently my sister um, started uh, Catholic classes, which I was a little shocked. Um, but anyway, um, the priest or whoever is teaching the classes told her that the book of Job is fiction. And <laughs> I don't know how, other than, no, it's not. You know, I didn't know how to reply to that exactly. And I was just wanting to get your insight on it. Whoever said that's fiction. <laughs> that's the big problem. No, uh, the book of Job is very clear what what it is. And it's fortified throughout the rest of Scripture, where we realize the devil is still God's devil. He can only do what he uh, is allowed to do. Uh, We realize that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says that. 
Jesus said he beheld Satan fall like lightning. So we know that, yes, he is cruising the earth, as it says in the book of Job. We do realize that there are people who will come alongside of us, not really walking in the spirit, but after the flesh, saying, well, the reason all these things have happened to you is because this, that, and the other thing, rather than to realize that sometimes it's the course of life. We find teachers today um, called the Health Wealth Group that say, well, the reason uh, you're sick is there's sin in your life, or the reason you're, uh, you're uh, you know, sick, you don't have enough faith. They're the same as Job's buddies. There's no difference if you really read what they were saying to Job and what these guys are saying. We realize that they came to Jesus and they said, why was this man born uh, a cripple? Uh, did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, neither. He said they, he said that, that, that God would be glorified in his healing. That's what Jesus was saying. So when you, when you really look at, uh, these ideas, uh, that the book of Job present, they're not foreign to the rest of God's word. And why anybody would say that it is a, uh, a fictional book or a non-true book. First of all, it would have never been canonized in the scripture. And so that is the, 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 the preeminent thing. But the book of Job really brings no new, uh, unusual doctrine to the rest of the Bible. Your thoughts? Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I don't understand what, what anybody would gain from saying that the book of Job, it's, it's, probably one of the oldest books uh, of the Bible. I don't know what they would gain by by claiming that it was fiction. And and uh, to our Catholic friends that are out there, um, I think that more people could make claims that, you know, first and second Esdras and and Tobit and the book of Judith and and uh, Ecclesiastes and, and Baruch, the, the, the books of the Catholic Apocrypha, um, those seem like they would fall under uh, the category of fiction much more than, uh, than the book of Job. You know, the book of Job, like you, like you said, Mike mentioned in, uh, in Ezekiel, and uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, mentions, uh, mentions Job in, uh, in his writings. Um, so I think that's... That's enough to settle it uh, for me. I would encourage. I would encourage your sister. Maybe uh, doesn't sound like uh, like your sister um, uh, Jason is buying into it all the way either. But but ask her to ask her her teacher or her professor, whoever is telling her this. What is what is his proof that uh, the Book of Job is uh, yeah? Is and, and and here here's what you want to do. You you can give her this. In the book of James, chapter 5, verse 11, uh, it paraphrases Job as an example of patience and suffering. That, that's what it shows. Why would you quote a myth if that is to be an example in which we impart, understand a better perception of God and who we are and God's dealing with, with the world and with us? So again, James 5.11 paraphrases Job as a patient uh, and a suffering servant, uh, so therefore it would make it absolutely a nonfiction book, a true book 
in the Bible. Hope that helps. Right. And that's what I was hoping to, uh, I was trying to explain to her that, that Job was mentioned in other places in the Bible as a person, not as just a story. Uh, but I didn't know where to, I'm fairly new to, I'm a fairly new Christian myself. So, uh, you know, I'm not real well versed yet. Um, but I sure appreciate your explanation and I will um, pass James 5.11 on and, and your explanation. Yeah. Why, why would you quote a myth? Um, well, you know, Donald Duck is a great illustration of what we're <laughs> supposed to be like today. I mean, if you're, if you're quoting uh, fictional books, um, you know, why would you? That doesn't even logically make any sense. So, no, the book of Job is real. Whoever is teaching that uh, doesn't know their Bible and uh, certainly direct them to, uh, to that scripture. I hope that helps. It helps very much. Thanks, guys. God bless you. And stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And with that, we'll go to Roger in California. Hi, welcome. Thank you, Pastor Mike, Pastor Greg. So my question is, oh, thanks for blowing the Calvin ship out of the water. And and Pastor Mike always mentioning, stay away from the isms. You must be born again. We walk by faith. It just will. And then uh, Pastor Greg on the providence thing. Yeah, it's spot on. Without providence, uh, who can be saved? Because it's so laser accurate, right on time, just the right amount. People cross our paths. It's not just lifestyle. We proclaim with our words. It's un- unworthy, humble servants. We're not about winning arguments. We're about winning souls. And he who wins yep. souls is wise. So my question is, I have, I'm have i trying to get plugged into a church here. The Calvary Chapel is a lot of human beings in there. I don't know how fellowship would be. I've been to Foursquare, uh, Calvary Chapels and whatnot. But I'm over here in Victorville. And so... Uh, and when I walk, I usually have bear spray and a little club because people have pit bulls that just they, – they're not out to defend. You have to take your leg off. So I'm always ready for that. Anyway, so there's a Nazarene church. I don't like their doctrine, but there's also a cute little church. I don't go by how it looks, but it's a cute little church that this lady built back in like, I don't know, 78, 82. And her husband uh, was the head pastor. He died. Then she became head pastor. Then she died. Now her daughter's the head pastor. It's called Apple Valley Faith Center. And they have a doctrine. They got Jesus as Lord and King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and all that. However, some of their doctrine is similar to the Mormons. And, uh, you know, Darlington spoke about that in one of her, uh, in her ministry. So you cannot tell wheat from tares, and we're not about ripping wheat and ripping tares and, and you know, <laughs> bringing um, reproach on the body of Christ. I don't want to do that. You know, I just want to be a humble servant and uh, walk humbly before my God. Uh, but also have proper hermeneutics uh, in context. Uh, lowly, gently, not about pounding on them. But would you advise going there? And number two, would you advise bringing it to her attention that what do you think about the Apostle Paul saying the qualifications for a pastor and teacher? Why don't you have a male pastor who preaches the Word of God uh, in truth? Uh, you know, what do you guys think about that? Well, generally, they, they'll say, well, that was for Paul speaking to that group of people at that time. Uh, this is found in First uh, Timothy. However, the problem is what he cites for the reason is not cultural. It is a failure within uh, humans. And, and, and he says that it was not Adam who was deceived. Adam ate of the tree willfully. Eve was deceived. And so he cites this is the reason why he doesn't allow a woman to usurp the authority of a man 
thus no women pastors. Now, you don't find any women pastors in the Old Testament. You don't find any women pastors in the New Testament. I'm going to say, oh, what about Deborah in the Old Testament? Deborah was never a pastor. She was a judge, like a magistrate. Um, and that is not being a pastor or a priest. But you don't find that in the Bible. And so they add, and I have a problem with that, because I do believe the pastor sets the direction of the church in the field of evangelism and all these different things that a church does locally. Our fellowship here in Idaho went, and uh, we had an open house feed for all those who were hungry uh, this past week. Uh, I believe it's so important that we that we do that a, a, a vision for uh, uh, getting the word out to America and the world. I think these are all so important. Uh, you'll find a lot of churches their their whole focus is on themselves. If it doesn't really directly benefit the members of our church, then we're really not involved in it. And I always have a problem with that. I, I think being self focused is never a good thing. I think being uh, globally focused, um, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world is what's so important. But when we come to women pastors, we don't find them in the Bible, and I believe there's a reason why. Now, I want to say this. If, as an example, a woman was sent out by, uh, as an example, um, her church as a missionary, uh, I believe she's under the covering of that church that sent her out. However, from what you've described, it sounds like this woman uh, is not sent out by any church. It sounds like she just took it over. And uh, I, I really believe that, you know, there's there's uh, good people. Um, and I think you just have to look around. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying I personally would not go to where a woman was the pastor, not because I don't believe God loves women and God has a very high role for them, but being the senior pastor is not one that we find outlined in God's word. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's, Roger, it sounds to me, I think that you've already answered your own question because it sounds like you're a guy who knows the word very well. And obviously you realize women Women are necessary and they're effective and they blossom in many leadership roles, you know, within the church. You know, I, I would say our church probably has 60% gals serving and maybe 40% uh, guys. And I, 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 I encourage our gals all the time that you, you ladies are the backbone in many areas Absolutely. of the Absolutely. body of Christ. And we're, yeah. we're so thankful for them. But when it comes, when it comes to specific roles within the body of Christ, we have to trust the wisdom. Uh, I I know a lot of very mature, very wise women. I know women who are great, great Bible teachers, but we don't usurp what the scriptures say. And the scriptures say that these roles, uh, deacons, elders, uh, pastors and overseers, bishops, they are to be men. It's in a masculine form. Amen. That's all I so, got, Roger. Yep. That's all we got, Roger. Stay in line, and we'll send you some books, DVDs. Coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. We'll be right back. CSN International welcomes you to actively participate in the continued growth of the radio network through donations. CSN is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and as such, CSN is able to accept tax-deductible donations of cash, stocks, 
bonds, real or personal property, automobiles, and other worldly assets, including broadcasting stations and broadcasting equipment. You can make a big difference for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can go online to csnradio.com to donate, or you can mail your donations to CSN International, Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. You can also donate by calling today with your financial support at 1-800-357-4226. The abortion pill now accounts for over 50% of all abortions and is readily available in all states. Preborn Ministry continues to stand with women in crisis in their darkest hour and bring hope and life. After Marissa took the abortion pill, she immediately regretted it, but Preborn was there for her. Look at that baby. Look how beautiful he is. Look at that. Abortion pill reversal actually works. This here's heartbeat. By the amazing grace of God, this baby was saved, but there are so many more who need our help. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. on this Thanksgiving Eve and wishing all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Look forward to uh, just getting that time together with our friends and family and letting your light shine. So important in these days that we live in. Here with Greg Blanc from Rapid City, South Dakota, Calvary Chapel. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones. But before we do, we have a call that came in. What is Greg preaching about this Sunday morning? (laughs) <laughs> I am I am uh, I'm teaching on Matthew 6 we're uh uh we're in the portion of the Sermon on the Mount where uh Jesus I love all those red letters in the Sermon on the Mount and uh Jesus is teaching us on the principles of prayer that's actually what I titled this uh this week's message which is uh principles of prayer we're going through what most people call the lord's prayer but really it's uh it's just a uh an outline an inclusion of things when we're talking to the father one of the things that i i find interesting is that six times in these six or seven verses uh god identifies himself as father and how great uh many could have could have defined himself as as El Shaddai or I'm the God who provides, but but Father because because in his role as a father he wants to hear from his children. So uh, so learn to pray. The disciples asked uh, that they would uh, that Jesus would teach them to pray. So um, I encourage you listen to the uh, listen to the message on Sunday, but. Uh, before that, just read through uh, read through what it says in uh, verses one through fifteen or so in Matthew chapter six on prayer. 
Thank you, Mike, Amen. for letting me mention that. Hey, yeah. and Mike, you might want to mention uh, that uh, there's some lines open right now and give out the uh, the phone number. 8888 ask is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Uh, call right now, no waiting. And so, um, again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Let's go to Sheila, Austin, Texas. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Um, so my question is from John 15, uh, the end of verse 24 and 25. So just to set it up, you know, this is the vine and the branches where Jesus is talking. Um, and then he's saying, you know, you're going to be persecuted. The world hates me. They're going to hate you. But then at the end of verse 24, it says, they have seen and hated both me and my father in verse 25. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. The thing I'm a little tripped up on is when Jesus said their law, because he's quoting, it looks like a Psalm, at least that's what my Bible is referencing at the end of verse 25. So why would Jesus say their law when it's, the word. Okay, your thoughts. Well, you know, I think that that is a very Mike. Isn't that a very astute question? It um, is. Uh, I don't think that uh, I've heard that asked on the program before. I think I've been asked about it before, and it, and the simple reading without without complicating. And there might be something there might be something deeper here, but it. It appears to me, you know, this is a little bit of a reproof of those who uh, Jesus is not getting along with. That'd be the scribes and the Pharisees and and the teachers of the law. And so uh, if I can add a little inflection here, it says in verse 25, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. So it's holding them accountable. They know what is written. They know that it is written that they have the ability to fulfill, you know, something prophetic when it says that they hated me without uh, without cause, which is out of uh, Psalm sixty nine four. But that's that would be my take, Pastor Mike. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a rebuke, um, and we find that the Pharisees knew the scripture, but they didn't know what they meant. And there they are plotting Jesus's death with the rolls of parchment on the wall, uh, completely uh, oblivious to the books of Isaiah, where he was bruised for our transgressions, he was wounded for our iniquities, and upon him laid, God laid the sin of us all. When, when you look at those verses like that, uh, it would show that they 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 knew the word, but they didn't know the author of the word. I've I've seen churches say, well, we're a church of the word. Yeah, but are you a church that knows God? That that's what's really important. Because the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit of God brings life. And and we we have to be very careful. We need to know God's word. Absolutely. But the word of God uh can be used in a in a in a in, in a negative way as well, because the thing is, I, I remember I, I grew up uh, in down in Southern California, and I used to go to the beach, and there was a guy that had a Bible verse written on a sandwich sign that he wore over his head. In other words, two pieces of card, uh, well, they were plywood, quarter-inch plywood it looked like, painted white with red letters on it with a thing cut around his head and a stick to hold the 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 boards apart. 
And he was going up and down the beach with a bullhorn screaming at people, screaming Bible verses at people. And the the problem with that is the guy didn't know that God was love. Uh, is that how you want somebody to talk to you? You know, I mean, that's that's the way I do it. I, I believe there are people, even in the cults, even sometimes that go door to door, that really don't know what they believe. They're just, they just join this organization or whatever, man, they really like this girl that sang in the choir. And so I want her to think I'm really cool. So I'll do these different things or whatever. Uh, I, I think there's two kinds of people. I think there are those that are just doing it out of duty or obligation. And I think there are those that are really perpetrators uh, of, of darkness cloaking it in God's word. Remember, the devil quoted scripture to Jesus. He said, cast yourself down from here on the pinnacle of the temple. Your scripture says that the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, isn't that weird? The devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. But I believe that is not a new trick. I think that's an old trick. And I think there's a lot of that that goes around. And so here they are, plotting Jesus's death. They hated him without a cause. Mm -hmm. They knew what scripture says, but they were operating um, uh, not in the spirit of love, but uh, out of, out of condemnation. And so I I believe there's a real big difference in the way we communicate God's word. And, and I think that today, oftentimes, you know, you hear people go, well, I'd go to church, but I don't want to hear the hellfire and brimstone. Well, if that's all you're hearing, you have an imbalanced church. But you need to hear that, first of all, as a matter of fact, buddy, God loves you and does want to do something in your life and does want to turn you around and does want to uh, help you in, in in the daily struggles in this zoo we call living. I, I believe that all those things are true. But if if we leave out that aspect of God's love as we teach the rest of God's Word, we're going to have an anemic, unbalanced gospel and unfortunately, this is what the Pharisees had. They were all about the show. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray as the Pharisees do out in the out in the street corners. You go home and close your door and pray in private, and the Lord who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, there's a big difference there. And unfortunately, today, we find religiosity has taken the place of, I believe, Christianity. Jesus said, you'll know their, or Paul says, you'll know their Christians by their love, their love for one another, the way God works. But those that are there for other reasons, to puff themselves up, to, to preach heresy and those kinds of things, that, that's bad. You know, and, and again, if you read God's word and, and, you know, the zeal for your word has eaten me up. The Bible says, well, why is that? Because when I hear personally, when I hear people teaching uh, things that they say God says or does that God didn't do and God would never do, it makes me angry because I know somebody is a perpetrator of false doctrine, and that is a real concern and should be a concern for every one of us. I mean, how can I say I love people and am spirit-filled and and care about God if I just say, okay, well, just go ahead and digest the lies. God only died for some people, not for everybody. And and then, you know, no, it makes me upset because I realize that God uh, loves everyone. For God so loved the world. God chose the world. He chose the world. 
Not everybody chooses him. And so when we look at Scripture, we have to understand then, if we go back, I believe that people will be held accountable for what they deliberately knew about God's Word and chose to do the opposite. So hope that helps, Sheila. Yes. Well, God bless you. Stay online, Sheila. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, okay? Appreciate that. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Well, Happy Thanksgiving to you, dear. And if there's anything more we can do, please let us know. Let's go to Lincoln, Roswell, New Mexico. Hi and welcome. Hello. Hi. Is this Lincoln? Yes, sir. Well, Lincoln, I'm glad you called in. How can we help? Uh, how did Pharaoh's daughter keep baby Jesus safe? Baby Moses safe when uh when he was wanting to kill the, all the baby boys. I believe it was divine providence that Pharaoh's daughter found found him. I think that is so amazing when you look at that and, and you realize how God does these amazing things. And so um, understanding that because God put baby Moses in Pharaoh's daughter's hands, that assured him that he would be and do and fulfill what God had called him to do. Your thoughts? Lincoln, what a smart young man you are. How— how old? How old are you? Can yeah. you tell us? Six. You're six years old, and already knowing the Bible and calling, calling in and asking questions. That's phenomenal. That's a, what a what a shout out to your parents. We uh, make sure that you give your parents a big hug when you get off the phone for uh, for raising you in the training and admonition. Of the Lord, I uh, I just shared with somebody yesterday Isaiah fifty four thirteen that says all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Wouldn't that be great if uh, if that was taught in our public schools today? So um, Lincoln, what you're talking about here is found in Exodus chapter two, and we know that. Uh, that Pharaoh, Pharaoh had put out a contract on uh, on all on all the little boys, and so uh, so Moses's mom built him a little boat, put some pitch, put some sticks and some pitch together, and uh, trusted trusted in the Lord and put him out there in the Nile, and like and like Pastor Mike just told you, um, it was certainly certainly the providence of God that uh, out of all the people well number 1 they didn't he didn't get he didn't become he didn't come food for one of the crocodiles uh that uh, that lived in the in the reeds there but um but out of all the people that could have found this incredible little boy guess who it turns out to be it turns out to be pharaoh's daughter and on top of that Moses's sister, her name is Miriam, and Miriam was spying on the whole thing. She goes up to the handmaids of uh, of uh, of Pharaoh and says, "Well, I just so happened 
to know a woman who could actually nurse this 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 little baby for you and it turned out to be uh Moses's mom so so trust in the lord with all your heart lead not on your own understanding he is he is a god of providence pastor mike yeah and and again uh miriam his sister watching that little basket float down the <laughs> nile uh she kept an eye on little baby moses so hope that helps lincoln Yes, sir. Well, Lincoln, I'm so glad you called. You you call in. Uh, you stay on the line, and I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Okay. Yes, sir. Make sure oh. you go hug your mom and dad. Okay. Yes, sir. Have a happy oh. Thanksgiving. You yes. too, Lincoln. Happy you Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm going to send you a special DVD: The Life of Jesus. So you stay on the line, and I'll send that out. You're the very first person that's going to get that DVD, but I'm going to give away more of them um, in the following weeks. But it's The Life of Jesus. It's the movie Jesus combined with several other really great movies. I'll get that out to you for calling in today, okay? Yes, sir. Sir, thank you. All right, Lincoln, blessings to you. Thanks for the call. You got any more questions, you can always call us. Let's go to Heidi in Minnesota. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Um, My question was, I kind of know the answer already. Does Jesus or God afflict believers? Um, Not for just the sake of afflicting them. Um, we know that God touched Jacob's hip as he wrestled with the angel all night. And Jacob's hip went out of joint, and I believe he limped from that day forward. But I believe every time he took a step and he limped, he remember when God touched his life. And there in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we find a touch from God, not a healing touch, but a crippling touch. But that crippling touch was to remind him to keep his purposes in the alignment with God. And we find all the way through the Bible that God does allow things to happen to those that love him. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul and all the things he went through. Your your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, uh, I think I think we should be reminded that God God will test us. He will never tempt us. And he does. He does allow... Uh, he does allow affliction, and sometimes an affliction can uh, be the result of a of a consequence. We know what we're taught in Galatians six that we reap what we sow. You know, uh, so there are times when God will allow there to be a consequence for uh, the wages. You know that we that we have sown and the seeds that uh, that we have sown. You know, affliction. Um, you know, it, it, it can be, it can be, uh, an, an affliction from, um, from God, you know, on, on unrighteousness. That's, that's for sure. And, and I know, I know this, uh, if you're a Christian, you are going to, you're going to experience some, some affliction that God allows in your, in your life at some time. But, but, uh, it can, it can be there to, to purify, to purify us. You know, God has, I mean, look at Job. That that doesn't make any sense to me, but it made sense to uh, to the Lord to 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 just establish that um, 
that his 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 people can remain faithful even in the midst of a very in the midst of a very crummy situation pastor mike's been through some crummy situations i've been through crummy situations and uh and it it should bring a a humbling you know uh affliction can be a part of just us living in a in a fallen in a fallen world and and uh it can be you know we we can be afflicted god can can allow affliction i mean there are, just think about christians around the world that god allows to be afflicted just for their faith in him um sheila earlier was talking about uh john 15 and and part of that says they hated me don't be surprised when the world hates you because they hated me before they hated before they hated you and so um Mike, um, I don't well, know. If that I, I really your believe. Yeah. I really believe that when we become a Christian, we become God's property. Yeah. When we are a true follower of Yahweh, uh, I believe that 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 we become God's property. Thus, the case with Job. Now, God was not doing those things to Job, but He allowed the devil to do those to Job. Yeah. And we do know that there are many things that the devil desires to do to us. In fact, we remember Jesus looked at Peter and said, uh, Satan's been asking for you by name to sift you like wheat. Now, what happens when you sift wheat? You crunch it, you take and toss it up in the air, and wind blows on it. Well, I believe that the devil wants to do that to all of us. But sometimes God uses affliction to get our attention. And I don't believe that that is a sign that God doesn't love us, but that God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to get way out there. We remember a man that Jesus healed, and he said to him, he said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Can uh, uh, sin cause illness? Absolutely. Um, But does it always cause illness? No, not always. And sometimes it's one of the ways that God moves us around to be where he wants us to be so we can be most effective for the kingdom of God. In other words, when I had a heart attack, well, God gave me that heart attack. Well, I don't know if God gave me that heart attack or not, but I know that I couldn't have witnessed to the people in the emergency room without me being there. So I don't know why that happened. And I may never know this side of heaven, but I do know someday we'll know. And so all I can say is to live as Christ, die as gain. And uh, whether things come from the devil or whether things God allows it to happen to me, all I can say is, blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, it's not my—I died with Christ. That's when you become a Christian. You die with Christ, and it's hard. Dying's hard because the old flesh wants to raise up and say, no, I'm still in control here. But I really believe that when we become a Christian— God will use us for many different things. And you think about all the martyrs, some probably six million of them in the early church era that died because of their faith. And well, if, if did God do that to them? No, I don't believe God did that to them. Well, did God allow them to get caught? Well, I don't know. All I can tell you is this, is that this is only the beginning. Eternity is a long time. And so I want to be careful in judging at any snapshot of a person's life saying this is what life is or this is what eternity is, rather than looking at the entire picture. So to answer your question, 
Does God place afflictions on people? I believe God can allow afflictions to come on people, but there are a couple instances in the Bible where God actually, as he touched Jacob's hip and it went out of joint, gave him a crippling touch. But I believe he thanked God for that limp every day of his life. Hope that helps, Heidi. Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I listened to another program, and he said God sometimes afflicts you to get your attention. And he said, what you do is you say, God, why am I dealing with this pain in my leg? And I asked him in prayer, and I just did a doctor's appointment, and I found out that I have a blood clot from behind Mm. my knee up to my groin. And I was like amazed that he caused the pain in my leg to save my life. So I am thankful for that affliction. Yeah, I know. It's really weird. I, I've had people say, well, you know, uh, if 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 that particular thing would have happened, they wouldn't have discovered something else that you really needed to have taken care of. No, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. And I, I just want to leave things in God's hands. Uh, and and uh, just say, okay, Lord, I'm just your servant, and I'm here to do your will. So, Heidi, um, stay in line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I'll send you that movie as well, uh, the movie Jesus, with two other. The uh, There's a movie in there about Mary Magdalene. I think you'll really enjoy it. Stay in line. We'll get that out to you today, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You're wonderful, you guys. God is good. God is good. Let's go to William, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, Will. Good evening, pastors. Um, I'm just going to read one. Uh, yeah, I just want to read one verse and then ask you a question. It's uh, from Mark 3, chapter 30. I mean, chapter 3, verse 30. And it says, I assure you that any sin can be forgiven, including blasphemy. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. It is an eternal sin. Now, my question is, like, say, for whatever reason, a Christian just got upset or went out the deep end, killed somebody, shot him, and then repented, uh, you know, he'll go to heaven. Would the same thing apply to the mark of the beast, since it doesn't say... No, because the Bible clearly, and and, and to Mike, just to... Uh, William, just to tell you, the Bible clearly says if you take the mark of the beast, you won't go to heaven. That is clear. That there's no wiggle room on that. I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus will forgive us for anything we do, unless it's marked out in the Bible specifically that He won't. And that's what it is. See, people like to read one verse and apply it to the whole Bible. But what does the rest of the Bible say about that? And this is where the cults, this is where the the tangents and the denominations and all these internal fightings come from. They only read the verses they want to read, and they disregard everything else. When the Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven if you take the mark of the beast, hey, what it says, and there's no way around it. And so, uh, again, and if the Holy Spirit's calling a person to repent, and they won't repent, and they blaspheme, and they shine on the Holy Spirit— They'll die in their sins. They'll go to hell, too. So eternity is a long time. Stay in line, William. We'll get you out some books, some DVDs. We're all out of time. Thanks, Greg, for being on. Thank you. See you next time.
Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. God bless you. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 